Before we get rolling into today's podcast, I want to tell you about our awesome sponsors that uh, keep this thing free for you guys. So first we have DuckSeason.com. That's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. Go on there. Check it out. Uh, You can get signed up for uh, Traded Hunts where you put in your location, the kind of birds you're after, you know, the type of things that you do. And uh, you can search around on there, see other people, their areas, what they go after, and you can talk with each other and get linked up and trade hunts with each other. So rather than hiring an outfitter or a guide, if you're on a budget or kind of want to do a little bit of a DIY thing, you can get linked up with some people, go hunt their area, they come out and hunt in your area. It's a really cool thing. Also on there, there's some forums, you know, duck hunting, waterfowl hunting in general, different tips and advice, things like that. And they also have a lot of merchandise, really cool stuff. And in their merchandise, they have the Salty Fowl line of clothing, where 100% of the profits from that go to uh, Eider Research out there on the coast. So really cool cause. Go check it out. Go buy some stuff. Get on some trade of hunts. You definitely won't regret it. Next, we have Steady Wing Outfitters. That's Mikey Soberano. He's up there in northeast Kansas, and he uh, specializes in waterfowl, turkey, and deer. You can check him out on Instagram at Steady Wing Outfitters. Uh, and if you want to book a hunt, you can give him a call. His number is 785-410-2304. Next, we have 701 Pursuit. They're over there in North Dakota. They're making a bunch of awesome hunting and fishing content. It's on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of the places. Go check them out for some high-quality stuff. They also have a website with some merchandise and other things on it. Uh, the website is 701pursuit.com. That's the numbers, 701pursuit.com. So check them out, all the places that you have social media. They're on there somewhere. Next, we have Bulldog Baits. It's over there in western Oklahoma. Uh, they're making crankbaits, jigs, soft plastic, spoons, jig heads, sinkers, anything you need for fishing. They've got it. So you can check them out on uh, Instagram. It's bulldog underscore baits. And if you want to go on their website to order some stuff, it's bulldog-baits.square.site. So if you're needing anything, definitely, definitely go check them out. Also, on the same note, we have Stump Thumper Baits. Their website is stumpthumperbaits.com. They also have soft plastics, jigs, all that type of stuff. Want to check them out too on Instagram. Their handle is at stumpthumperbaits. They're also Facebook, anywhere else. Now we have Waylon Johnson and his guide service. He's over in the San Antonio area. Uh, He's hunting ducks, geese, anything waterfowl you guys want to get on over there down in Texas. You can give him a call at 361-494-7868. You can also find him on Facebook. Uh, His name is just Waylon Johnson. See what he's been up to. Check out the cool birds down there. All that good stuff. And lastly, we have my dog training business up here in Northeast Montana. Uh, I specialize in retrievers, but I train all sorts, basic obedience, force fetch, waterfowl upland, anything you're looking to get done with your dog, I can help you out with. Um, You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, all the normal places. It's H-I-L-I-N-E retrievers. And then if you're looking for some advice or looking to uh, get set up with some training, give me a call. My number is 406 seven eight three seven zero eight three thanks a lot thanks to our sponsors go check them all out and enjoy the show well, the took wing shotgun singing a pointing dog down in the old logging road and then he got three and looked back grinning i fumbled around and i tried to reload the country all right, welcome to the Woods and Water Podcast. This is Garrett. Today, I am with Jamie Brands. She's from the Dallas, Texas area, and uh, she does some hunting. So, Jamie, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jamie. I live in Dallas, Texas, like Garrett said, um, and I, I enjoy fishing and hunting. Okay, so on your hunting side of things, what do you go after? Uh, I'm primarily waterfowl. Uh, that's just kind of what I grew up doing was really... Uh, dove and quail and I've turned into more just any kind of waterfowl uh, ducks cranes snow geese specks um, 
I've just enjoyed the camaraderie with it, but I do enjoy some big game. I'm trying to do more and more stuff in the big game side of things. So, Are you uh, going to do archery or are you rifle? I do rifle now, but the goal is to do archery this year to get a bow and kind of start pulling on it and seeing what I think um, before I start hunting with it. But it's definitely in the in the works. Um, do you already have one picked out? You've been searching them on Amazon and stuff? No, you know, I looked and I, and I know a little bit about him, but it's more people always say, don't worry about name brands. Just go in, pull on a bunch and see what fits you. Don't say, I want a Matthews and just assume that you're going to go in and get a Matthews or any, you know, any of that. Just go in and pull on them and see what fits you, how it feels when you pull, you know, and shoot and all that stuff and kind of work it like that. So that was kind of my plan. I'm not really an advocate for any particular brand. Um, I guess it's the good part of being green with it is you can go in and not really matter yeah that's that's the best way to do it because i mean when i started out i shot well it was a bear bow that started with fred bear bow and then i went from there i mean i don't think i had like a straight up name brand in forever because i could get like the knockoff version of it like matthews would be mission and i don't remember what the other ones are like uh g5 has got their um Oh, whatever they're called. But yeah, I always usually go with the cheaper version of it because it's the same thing with a cheaper price. And then I just go by whatever I like. I'm not, I'm kind of a whore when it comes to the brands. Whatever fits yeah. me best, I'll go with. But uh, yeah. I know a lot for uh, a lot of the women bow hunters, they like the Eva Shockey bow. I don't know if you've seen that or heard of that. Okay. I think it's with Bowtech. But I've heard quite a few of them say that it fits them right because you're not, you know, a lot of bows are either for kids or for men, so the draw lengths are a little bit different, and those go down a lot lower. Shorter draw length and lighter poundage, but you go figure out what you want. Exactly. I have a, I have a bow. I did some bow fishing years ago, um, and so on a whim, I just went and bought one from one of the sporting goods store in here, and I had nothing to do with, like, draw length or anything. I just went and bought one on a whim, and that was definitely not the way to go. So I plan on getting measured and all the things that need to happen i guess so yeah how tall are you five four mm, so you'll have a fairly short one then too short draw length <laughs> yeah i was like i think they measured me before and it was maybe 27 i don't know if that's normal or not well i'm 29 and a half and i'm six one so you might be a little okay. bit shorter than 27 but i really don't know you might have long arms yeah i was like i feel I, it's been a while it's probably been a year since i've been measured um, when you run around as much as I do, you have a hard time making things happen. Yeah. Um, what are you planning to go after? Just whitetail or whatever pops up? No, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my goal with the rifle aspect of things is, um, keep doing something different every year. I mean, I have no problem doing some of the same thing, but I wouldn't say I'm so much of a whitetail hunter. Um, this past year I shot a cow elk in Wyoming, so I'd like to eventually draw a tag or go somewhere I can do a bull elk um but I'm also putting in for antelope tags and a mule deer tag so I did draw a mule deer tag last year in Wyoming but the location I had didn't really have a great selection because of the CWD up there so I just didn't even take the time to go do it okay I guess how did you get into the elk thing being from Texas Is just something you wanted to do so you started applying or how did it start yeah, well yes and no um so I had actually shot a red stag bull last year here in texas and um a buddy of mine that lives up in wyoming um said that he would kind of help me out and so he's like put in for x y and z sorry my dog's in my lap um i put in for x y z so i put in for antelope mule deer and a cow elk and i drew the mule deer and the cow elk on the first tags um out of there so from there i just kind of want to keep progressing i'd like to do a bull elk i want to do an antelope i want to do a bear um dream hunts would be like a caribou or a moose in alaska i think that'd be pretty cool pretty cool to do so i think that's everybody's dream hunts you're not alone in that oh, one probably yeah i i don't blame them so i don't know i just i have really just kind of dove into all of this and i really want to experience it all i don't want to say i'm only a whitetail hunter i'm only a an elk hunter, I want to try it all in different areas and see what I like. Cause I think it's really hard to say, well, I'm, I'm not that person. I don't want to do that if you haven't tried it or experienced it. And I, I like to travel. So why not try different places? Yeah. So where have you gone hunting? Is it just Texas and Wyoming or have you gone other places? Um, for 
Big game, yes, just Texas and Wyoming. Um, but as far as waterfowl, I've been to uh, Canada, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. Did I say Kansas? I think I did. Um, that's pretty much it. So the goal is to kind of add a state or two each year um, to that, just kind of start broadening out my horizons. So um, I shot prairie chickens in Kansas this past year as well. Turkey only did in Texas last year. I'd like to do other places um, and do a little bit more of that. So, yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Thank I wish you. I was a little bit freer like that. Wasn't so tied down <laughs> so I could go a bunch of places, but... Yeah, uh, definitely an upside to having no attachments. I don't have, you know, kids or anything like that. So I just kind of go wherever I want to go, whenever I want to go, which is real nice. Yeah, sounds like me when I was in my earlier 20s, not these later 20s. That changed quick. <laughs> yeah. So, what, okay, we'll stick on big game for a little bit, and then we'll circle back to waterfowl, because I want to talk about that. Okay. Um. Sure. What what all have you got? You said you got a red stag, and there's a bunch of wild stuff in Texas. What all have you got? Actually, you're, I don't have a lot. So I shot a whitetail for my first thing ever, and I shot that in 20, 2020, actually. Um, and then I shot the red stag in 2021, and then I just shot the cow elk in 2022. So I've kind of had one thing each year. I didn't grow up deer hunting. I didn't have land. I didn't have lease. Um or anything like that. So that wasn't something that I was accustomed to. So when I did my first whitetail, it was on a lease that we maintained here in Texas, um, Marble Falls type area. And so it was really nice. And that was my first anything that's not waterfowl, basically. I've never shot a pig or anything like that. So uh, those are really only the three things I've ever, ever killed that's considered big game. What's your favorite eating? elk so far but the red stag was really good once i once i ate that red stag i didn't really want to go back to the white tail i mean it's good but i i definitely enjoyed the red stag better now i've got some buddies i really want to shoot an axis i've got some buddies that i've had some axis meat from and i do really enjoy that a lot as well uh but the elk has been great yeah elk is my all-time favorite wild game i'd like to do axis because i've heard a lot of people talk about it but i've never been around anybody that's got one but yeah. i've heard that i need to try it Yes, it is very good. I really would like to try moose at some point. I've heard that's really good, which kind of surprised me, but um, definitely hope to try that at some point. Yeah, I like moose too, and I've only had that a handful of times, but I really I really like that, but a lot more likely I'm going to run into elk than I am moose. I mean, I'll run into them, but to be able to get one, so. Yes, yes, yeah. So I would like to do an access at some point. You know, they're exotic, so you can shoot them whenever. It's, you know, so it's not as bad. I just haven't made it a priority. Again, last year with having those tags, those were my priorities. And um, it's hard enough with how much I'm going to kind of get some of those in. That, the elk hunt was actually I did on a whim in a matter of like four days. I just said, I'm going this weekend, drove up to Wyoming, um, and it all just worked out great. That's crazy. Um, yeah. What, I guess, don't give me specific region or anything, but I guess where are you putting in tags for now? Like, what are your uh, future plan locations? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I'm kind of playing it out. I'm trying to talk to some people because, again, I don't. This is not my world. I'm just trying to learn about it. But um, I would definitely like to do. I've already put in for Wyoming. It's already coming on. But I'd like to do maybe Colorado, some certain areas there. Um, New Mexico. I don't know if I'm going to do anything in Arizona. I feel like that's kind of gotten a little bit out there. Uh, I'd like to do something in Kansas. And then maybe even Illinois. I've kind of heard some people say some good things about some of the deer up there. So I've kind of considered that. So I'd like to put in for a handful um, and see where I draw. Because I really don't know the odds of drawing because this is a new thing for me um, for all that. But I don't want to overindulge either. Yeah, I mean, best case scenario, you draw a bunch of tags in a bunch of different places at the same time. And that's also the worst case scenario because then... You know, instead of enjoying one thing, you're like, I got to hurry up and get this done and hurry up and get to the next one. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure and it's, it's, you know, it's a whole new thing for me that I've never, I've never had to do, you know, with the waterfowl stuff. It's like you have a season and you kind of know those with the big game. It's definitely more confusing for me. So I've had to ask a little bit more questions, but it's like, okay, you can do these two weeks here and then you have this 
winter thing that you can do here. And these are only for residents and non-residents. And it's just a little bit more confusing for me to follow for somebody who's not grown up doing it or have any experience in it whatsoever. So I feel a little bit dumb when I'm looking at stuff like, man, this seems very confusing. Well, some of it's really confusing too, because like there's tags that I put in for that. If you look at it, like from last year to this year, they'll change like some things where you could put as a second draw, like as a second application, yeah. but now it's only a first, first and only application and things like that. So it's, it changes from year to yeah. year. So you got to stay up to date on it, make sure that you're doing the right things. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the hard part for people that don't like I myself, I don't have any clue what I'm doing. I'm kind of just learning, you know? And so it's nice to have some, some friends that I can lean on and ask questions um, about stuff like that to kind of get a better understanding. So that's always been really helpful. Yeah, and that's the nice thing about the hunting community. I mean, a lot of them aren't going to give you their spots, but if you ask, they'll kind of tell you like general areas and kind of how to go about it, especially if you're new to it and getting into it. Now, if you're 35 years old and you've been doing it since you were 15 and you're just trying to get in on a new spot, a lot of times people are going to be a little more hesitant. But if you're completely new to it, everyone likes to see, you know, somebody that hasn't experienced it, experience it at least once, at least what? from the people that I've talked to. Yes, I would think that you're right. Most people are wanting others to succeed, um, you know, for a common goal. Again, it's kind of like don't share it, don't talk about it, um, but I'm willing to help you, you know. And sometimes there's a a dual uh, priority thing. Like they're going out, they're, they drew, maybe they live in the state, they drew first, so they want to go out and accomplish theirs, and then they can help, you know, me more or somebody else more. So there's always that as well. But I like the camaraderie about it, that people are very helpful. Yeah. And – I mean, there's a, you know, I, I get on my friends that live in North Dakota. They know who they are. They're going to listen to this. And it's mostly joking because <laughs> like I'm close to the North Dakota border. So I got friends that come over from North Dakota and I tell them they're a bunch of uh, out of state assholes taking up all the hunting as in-state people don't get to do because we've got to actually work and we're not rich and stuff like this. But right. I mean, as long as, you know, you're not ruining it for anybody else and you're not, you know, pretty much not ruining it and not getting anyone else's way. For the most part, nobody cares. Now, I will yeah. say when I'm on service calls and I'm working every day of the week and I'm driving by 50 vehicles with out-of-state plates, bird hunting stuff that I know I was going to on the weekend, kind of kind of gets on my nerves. I get a little bit pissy, but, I mean, who wouldn't? It is what it is. Yeah, and that's understandable. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things that hunting is just really blown up right now. And it's definitely one of those things that I feel like if you don't, if you live there, it's different for you than the outer staters. And you always have the people that kind of um, follow in suit, I guess, versus kind of people that do their own thing, want to go out and branch out, find their own place and kind of find a more quiet place versus people kind of all go to one particular area all the time. I don't like crowds. I'd rather kind of do my own thing. That's it too. But trying to find that place that nobody's at, either you're going to be putting in for 20 years to get it or, yeah. I mean... It's, it's not very common, but yeah, I guess let's backtrack a little bit. I never did ask, how did you get started in the outdoors? Like, did you grow up doing this or something you picked up later? Uh, probably more later. Um, I grew up shooting, um, with my dad and we did dubbing quail. Um, but it really wasn't like forced on me. It wasn't something that I, you know, was shooting at the age of seven or anything. If anything, I was skiing at the age of like four, but shooting was not one of the top things that I did. I had a lot of other sports I played in middle school and high school and stuff like that. So I was pretty busy that this was not something that I, we didn't have land. We didn't go away to the lease every weekend or anything like that. So, um, we shot ski a lot, my dad and I, um, with his dad and my uncle, but other than that, it was really something that I just kind of went more hunting later in life with boyfriends. So it's like I knew I knew how to shoot, and I've done some dove and quail. But when I started meeting guys and boys, um, they wanted to go hunting every weekend. And whether it be a lease or go to the lake and hunt waterfowl, that's kind of what did me in there. Um, so I'd say probably about the age of 20 was about when I kind of started doing waterfowl stuff and getting really serious about it. Okay. Well, sounds like you got a good taste in guys, at least. Wanting to go hunting every weekend. <laughs> yeah, this, you know, they at least introduced me to some good things. I don't know about good taste in guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, geez, you banked up a bunch of spots and they didn't even realize it. 
So you said something. I'm not going to let you skate past. Okay. Uh, you said you went skiing in Texas. How do you do that? Not snow skiing, water skiing. Oh, I just heard skiing, and I was like, you guys going down mud hills or what? No, 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 no. So I grew up water skiing. We literally grew up on the lake um, majority of my life. We were always – I actually am from Oklahoma. So I grew up on Lake Murray a lot, um, and then my grandparents had land on Lake Texoma. So I was constantly at the lake. Um, and we had boats and, you know, jet skis and stuff like that. So I was a big water baby. That's awesome. That's really cool. So I suppose you did a bunch of fishing then at the same time. I did. I did. I do. And I, I love to fish. Um, it definitely is something that I don't probably post as much until this kind of season. I'm ready to get up to Colorado and do some fly fishing. It's definitely one of the things I love to do. So yeah, it's great. Do you guys get to do much fly fishing down there? I guess I'm assuming you can because there's a bunch of different types of fish in your guys' yeah, area. Yeah, but... you can. And I've done a little bit um, on the Guadalupe and stuff like that. They do have some fish there. I know it sounds really weird if you have if you've been in Texas and been to the Guadalupe. It's not something you would think. Um, but you can fly fish there. Um, what are you guys pulling out of the water? Fly... Trout. Trout. <laughs> yeah. The way you said that. <laughs> Still trout. I mean, you can fly fish for bass yeah. too if you want. But I mean, it's, we're we're pulling trout. Well, we can fly fish for pike, or uh, we got um, short nose gar. Is that is that the right one? Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah, we can yeah, fly we, fish for those too. For those, but we fish. We've both fished those. Yeah, that'd be cool. I want. I've seen videos of those guys at night bow fishing down where you guys are. That looks awesome. That's something I want to go do. But one of these days, when my yes, son's older, yeah. take him on trips like that. Absolutely. There's some people down here, so whenever you come down, I know some people we could go boat fish with. All right. Let's talk about waterfall hunting then a little bit. Um, okay. You said you started doing that with boyfriends, but uh, what, I guess, was it from the start you really liked it, or was it something that grew on you? Because I know it's not for a lot of people. It's kind of a grind sometimes. It is kind of a grind. I'd have to say that it definitely grew on me. Um, when you as a woman, when you go with men, they definitely run the show. You know, it's kind of like, I like to shoot. So I wanted to go and I always wanted to be with the guys hanging out, being kind of tomboyish. And so it was one of the things of that I would go, but I didn't always understand, you know, this duck is that, that duck is that, and this is what we can shoot. And I didn't really pay too much attention at first. It was just kind of like, okay, birds are in let's all shoot kind of thing. Um, and it was kind of overwhelming at first because you have like four to six people stuffed in this tiny little blind and you've got five dudes that can stand up quicker than me and all shoot. And it was kind of like, okay, I may get a shot off here and there. And it finally got to the point that like I had to just start shooting. You know, I couldn't keep waiting for my turn necessarily. I just had to start shooting. Um, and so it was one of those things that I had to build up some courage to be able to hang with the boys um and stuff like that but i think probably by three to five years later i'd really developed an interest into what bird was what and what we could shoot in the seasons um how they looked you know in the sky the first few years i was like i don't even know what we're looking at like i can't tell the difference in colors or or the size in them and so i'd always ask questions about like well how do you know it's this one and it's oh the wings or how big they are and so the more questions I asked, the more knowledge I retained. And it just made me develop a, a bigger curiosity for things. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things, too, if you're not used to it, it kind of goes from zero to 100 real quick. Like, there's no ducks. Everyone's just sitting there bullshitting. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, okay, here they come. And then there's a bunch of calling loud noise. And then it's, all right, shoot them. And, I mean, if you're not expecting it, it goes from yep. quiet to lots of shots to quiet again real quick. And it, it's kind of... Kind of a lot sometimes. When I first got started, I had that. It wasn't as bad because you're doing layout blinds who are separated. But, I mean, like my third or fourth hunt, we did a, not an A-frame. But it was kind of like we were all stacked together on a fence line. Pretty much an A-frame without an A-frame. And it got, it was a lot real quick. But uh, So, exactly. here's a question. Um, okay. Since you shot skeet and stuff, I'm assuming, or trap, that you're somewhat of a good shot. Did they ever uh, get on the other guys saying that the girl's shooting better than they are or what? Uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely had that before. So it's 
definitely something that I think it depends on who you go with. I would not ever say that I'm like an amazing shot. Like I'm not the best. I definitely know some of the guys I hang with are some pretty phenomenal shots and I would never challenge them, but I have no problem keeping up with the boys um, or really my dad. My dad's very competitive and he's always kind of kept me in line and I never had an instructor on how to shoot, but he was pretty much that for me was, hey, is it my foot in? Is it, am I not following through? Like, am I not swinging through this? Am I stopping? What am I doing? Um, and he's always had a great eye for that and been really good about kind of correcting me in a manner that's uh, I understood. And then once I made that adjustment, I was good to go. Yeah. That's good. That's the right way to do it, too. And that's something I was going to ask because obviously I'm a dude. I grew up in hunting family. It's kind of expected the guys hunt if you're from a hunting family. And my sister kind of does it here and there, but she's not as big into it as us. Is there like something in your upbringing that he did or was it just in you that made you like, you know, enjoy it a lot more and want to do it a lot more? You know, like I said, I really did not grow up this way. I, you know, and I've never really asked my dad about why, you know, like I said, I grew up on the water. That was definitely something he was passionate about. And I think he's just as passionate about guns. Now, he does never done the, the big game thing as much. He's definitely done it, but not as much. But he never pushed that on me. If anything, it was the sports. You know, I grew up playing softball, basketball, um, golf, you know, multiple sports. But I was always gone. So I don't think he, I don't think he just really felt the need to push the, the gun or shooting on me like that. I think he just knew my daughter's busy enough. She's a girl. Um, you know, she can hang and, and do stuff. But I'm not going to push her on, on doing it. And um, if she wants to, she will. And then the fact that they were already busy enough running around uh, playing sports and stuff that they didn't need one more thing to deal with. So I really didn't pick it up till later in life. But it's it wasn't my world initially. So I don't think he pushed it on me, but he definitely didn't inhibit me from doing anything either. Once I showed interest, he was all game. But I don't think he wanted me to grow up that way either. Um, not because it was bad, but just because I was a girl and – he didn't want me to feel pressured, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just, I've got two daughters, so I'm just kind of a waters. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to wait here in the future. Cause I mean, like my son, he's all ate up with it, but I want, I'm, I'm not going to force it on my kids, but I want them to understand, you know, 90% of the food that we're eating is wild game and that it doesn't, right. dad doesn't just come home with it out of the blue. Like it actually takes work and it's something that it's work, but it's also enjoyable and, I want them to like it too, and I don't want to pressure it on them so they don't want to do it in the future, but I also don't want to shield them from it to where they don't know what's going on. So right, it's something kind of new. I'm, a, I'm just probably just going to raise them just like I'm doing my son, who's the oldest, and he's all ate up yeah. with it, but I just know girls yeah, just, are a little bit different sometimes. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Like I said, I think that I would have definitely picked up the interest a lot sooner if we were at the lease every weekend or if we lived out in the country. Um, I really don't remember eating wild game per se as a kid. I was definitely a picky eater, so I'm not going to say it was never offered to me. Um, but I, I remember eating fish and stuff we caught, but it was never one of those things that, oh, grandpa or dad went and shot an elk and we're bringing that home or a deer and bringing that home. That was never my lifestyle. Um, like I said, it was primarily dove and quail. And we may have had a little bit of that here and there, but I'm talking like once Maybe three times max a year did this happen. This wasn't something that my lifestyle, I hunt every weekend except for maybe two in hunting season now. My, my parents weren't like that. My family wasn't like that. So I think if you just, if you're, you raise your kids and if they see it, it's a very common knowledge thing of these are animals. We go out and we get them and we hurt, we work hard for them and guns are a common thing and you teach gun safety and, and all that stuff that just becomes very natural. Yeah. Yeah, because my son, I mean, he's he just turned four, but already, like, when we're eating dinner or whatever, he'll ask what the meat is, and I'll say, well, that's the antelope, or that's the deer, or whatever. He's, I like deer. I like antelope, whatever yeah. it is. So, we're doing that right, but we'll that's just awesome. see when it gets to the girls. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully they show interest in it. I mean, they're their own people. They're their own life, so yes. if they don't, whatever. Yeah. I love watching sports, so if they just want to do that instead. And that's kind of, yeah. I mean... I grew up in a big ha hunting household, so but it wasn't to the point where like during football season now it's deer season, so you're gonna be missing football games to practice or something to go deer hunting. We're always doing that yeah. stuff first, but as soon as it was done, I mean, I remember one year 
I finished up a football game and it was opening day of youth season for deer after the football game that was Saturday or whatever it was we went right to the hardware store I got my deer license and then that evening we were out deer hunting so nice yeah so staying on waterfowl what's your favorite species now that you kind of know them like do you like hunting ducks or geese and then in there what what do you like from that crane crane <laughs> of course you're, you're Texas <laughs> Well, you know, I just think that they're so much fun. Um, that's one of the few things that me and, and my best friend, Lana, have in common. We just love crane. I love the sound they make. I love the way they eat. I love watching them work. I love that they're a bit of an asshole, honestly. I mean, they just don't want to do anything that they're supposed to do. They don't want to follow the rules. And maybe because that's kind of how I feel like I live my life, that I just enjoy them so much. I, I do. I love, I love ducks. I love, um, snows and specks. And I love just all of that. But if I had to pick one, it's always going to be crane. That makes sense. And you guys get them <laughs> down there a lot longer than we do. Like when they come through here, it's like a week they stop in and then they're gone. And then we might yeah. get another flock or, I mean, another wave of them and they're there for a week and then they're gone and then that's it. Yeah. I mean, our, exactly. our opportunity short, you guys actually get on them. So I might enjoy it more then, but all I know about crane hunting is they're here, they piss me off, and they're gone. I haven't even shot one. We've tried. I've just never got one. No, you need to. And and I, I think last year I only went twice for crane because nobody wants to. Um, and so it's just one of those things that, like, I love to go, but I'm also not going to go on a guided hunt or anything, you know, by myself. I'd rather do it with friends. So a friend and I went and, and did it two days um, and it's the best eating ever. It's amazing. And it's just so much fun for me. Yeah, I've had it because I've had buddies that are a little more fortunate than I am. But, I mean, yeah. they were farther south when they got them and they brought them back. So I've had it that way. And it was really good. I mean, best waterfowl for sure. But Yes. All they've done for me in person is piss me off. So. Yes. And that's the common That's the common thing going around is that most people are like they, they come when they want to come. They don't always come to a call. Um, you know, it's just, they do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Makes sense. Four cranes in the hunting that you've done, how big of a spread do you guys run for them down there? I think it has really depended on the people that I've been with. Cause I've seen a couple of different, different things, honestly. Um, so I really don't, I, I mean, I think it varies. I think it depends on where you're at. Um, and what they have set up the times that i've done crane has always been a guided hunt so for the most part they have a pretty good spread going on because they know there's a bunch of them so um but i think that i've seen it like in canada they don't run a real big spread because you know it's just they're there and you can kind of shoot them just passing by okay maybe i'll take that into consideration i'll climb a windmill and shoot them passing by yeah, and that's I've had some people joke about that, like they're hunting something else, and literally they're just like flying by, and they'll just randomly get some if they can get them close enough. Yeah, I guess while we're besides cranes, are you a water or a field person? What do you prefer? Water. Water for sure. Yep. Well, you can definitely come up here and hunt and set all the decoys and be in the waiters for me. I'll just I'll sit on the dry <laughs> land. You can do it. I used to like water when I, I mean, was... I've done, I've done them both, but I just... I love watching them work on the water more than I do the field. I enjoy that, too. But, I mean, you guys probably got different water than we do, too. But, I mean, when we're in the water, it's soft ground underneath. So, every step, you might be waist-deep in water, but then you're sinking to about knee-deep in mud, and you're mucking through it. And it it's a workout, and it's not fun. Especially if you're on a hunt where you don't have a dog. It's really miserable. That is true. That is very true. I've been very fortunate to ha to be on a lot of hunts with really good dogs. And again, my best friend, her dog is amazing. Um, and so I've been very fortunate to have that. Yeah. So you answered water. Have you been timber hunting? I've not. That's definitely one of the things I want to do. So it's kind of, I thought I was going to accomplish it last year and it didn't happen. Um, so I'm hoping that it will happen this coming year, but I would love to, to hunt timber. You already got plans for it? Like got it lined up? No, I did meet a guy at NWTF that did offer 
um, his guide service because they're in Arkansas. Um, cause we were talking about it. I'd hit him up for another guy in, in, in all honesty. And that's when he ran into me. He's like, Hey, I think we messaged before about this. And I said, yeah, I did. It was for a buddy of mine, but I said, I really want to, I thought I was going to be able to go with some friends and that didn't happen. So I said, I may have to hit you up personally this time for me. So I would really like to do that this year. And again, I try to set a goal each year for either a different big game animal or a different state or a different location. Just do something different. Figure out what I like and don't like. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So besides Arkansas timber hunting, where is somewhere that you want to go? Like where's your bucket list bird hunt at? Oh, that's a great question. Um... Well, I, mean, I guess it depends on what you're what you're wanting to hunt, you know. Um, there's a, there's a few okay. things I'd really like. Before you do that, what's your bucket list bird? And then we'll go back to where's your bucket list spot. I don't know if I have a bucket list bird. Again, I want to try them all. And if I say I want one now, then it's like, then it messes you up for everything else. So I don't necessarily have a one bird. Because, again, crane's probably my favorite thing to hunt. But um, I want to do it all. I like to do a, a coastal hunt like a, a alaska bird hunt and or even just kind of a california just do that kind of um hunt but i really think it'd be cool to go to, to like north dakota and do a goose hunt i've heard that it's a completely different experience than i've ever done and again we shot geese in canada but i'd like to do like a north dakota hunt and watch those geese work i've heard it's phenomenal and i just haven't been able to experience that um, I would like to maybe go to Alberta this year. So I went to Saskatchewan this year and it was amazing. I was with some really great people, um, and had a blast. And so now I'm kind of like, I want to go back to Saskatchewan, but I really kind of want to expand it to the Alberta side of things and see how they kind of compare on different sides. That makes sense. So now your bucket list bird, if you can just pick one, try to narrow it down. Tell me what you want. Would be what would look I, prettiest up there on the wall. I I don't have one. Again, I I don't have a favorite that I have to have. Okay. Um, I'm not that I'm not that type of person. I'm just not like I have to have a widgeon or I have to have a woody. Like I don't I'm not that that person. You know, like I don't I wouldn't even say I really care about the mounts. They're nice to have, but I just want it all. I want to try it all. I like the experience from it. And I think the mount is really um, an extension of the story and the experience that you had. Um, and, and, you know, how beautiful they are. But I don't have a bucketless bird. That may be bad. I don't know. Oh, that's fine. That's kind of where I'm at, too. I mean, I've got, like, bucket list areas and, like, a group of species. Like, I want to go either to Alaska and then to the uh, East Coast and do the sea ducks and stuff. But that's the sea ducks. And then I want to go south and, you know, get birds that we don't really see up here, you know. Do you have the, um, uh, what's it called, like the Waterfowl Grand Slam list or whatever it is? Like, are you trying to knock that off? So I've kind of been, like, going back and forth in my head if I want to or not. I That wasn't ever a goal. Again, it was just kind of like I want to set a goal each year to kind of expand myself and, and get more knowledge and and hunting under my under my belt and everything um so it never was the goal but now i'm kind of like i am contemplating like saying that yes i want to do that because i think it'd be a really cool experience and maybe that would help me achieve my goals a little bit more if i'm like okay i've done all these states i have to go here to get this to finish that um but i feel like there's so many different le- like like the turkey grand slam like you have so many different types of slams and stuff like that so it's like how do you decide which one you're going to do? Do you just start with the small one and then make it bigger every time you expand out or get that, you know, accomplish that goal, I guess. So yes, I think that's what I would like to do. (laughs) I gotcha. So what, I guess, what's your favorite waterfowl hunting story that you can think of? Or like, what was your best hunt or what stands out to you? Um, it's still probably my favorite hunt was, Last year on my birthday, um, my best friend and I went up to Oklahoma with her boyfriend and one of his friends, and it was a last-minute hunt. We had just been hunting cranes in, uh, like, the Lubbock area, and she's like, hey, we're going to go, and we're going to do this hunt. It's not a guided hunt. It's just we're going for fun, end of the year. And I said, 
cool, sounds great, let's go. So I went up on a whim, like I changed my whole schedule, went up on a whim, and I didn't tell him it was my birthday, but I went, and um, her and I found this this section, you know, so we kind of divide up girls and guys, and we're scouting, basically. We're looking for where we're going to hunt, because the first day wasn't that great. And um, her and I find some birds, and we're following them back, and we find this amazing spot. Like, they just want it so bad. Um, and we'd been scouting all afternoon, but this was it. Like we knew. And so we called her boyfriend, like, Hey, we got the spot. We sent him some footage. And he's like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be great. He goes, now we got to get permission. Cause of course you're scouting and you have to go get your own permission. It's not something we had leased. So we get in contact with them. Um, and we have to drive like an hour and a half to go meet this lady and ask for permission at seven o'clock at night. And it's just her and I, and we've never done this before. You know, two girls scouting, and, and we've scouted, but we've never asked permission. So her and I did that, um, and it was kind of a haggle back and forth, but we got permission, and that next morning, we went, and it was amazing. It was just us four on the water. Um, it was snowing by that time, and it was just beautiful. I've never hunted waterfowl in snow um, the water wasn't frozen, and it was just pure perfection. We went for a 25 greenhead day, um, and it was awesome. I couldn't have asked for a better day. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's a really good story. And that thank you. That kind of leads into something I was going to ask. You kind of answered it, but uh, when you're hunting with a group of guys, do they ever send you in as the one to ask for permission? Since uh, <laughs> guys are more likely to give you permission than a bunch of bearded up dudes and beat up trucks yeah so it's funny that you asked that um it hasn't been a common thing with guys but i think that they're kind of figuring out that that's how that could go down that it's a little bit um you know easier to send a woman in and be like hey we would really like to do this is that okay and i think it's a little bit of a more soft spot that we can hit that's better for for that um so I've done it. I've done it a few times now, and I've definitely have a story where it did not go well. Um, and oddly enough, it was with another woman. I went and asked permission in Canada, and I got yelled at. She was going to call the cops, and she was pissed, and she just didn't want us there. And it wasn't me in particular. It was just one of those things. So it doesn't always go well, but it's definitely landed us some spots. So I have had some guys ask us to do that, but it's. Definitely uh, empowering to be able to feel like you scouted a piece of land and got the spot and were able to ask permission and kind of do all those things. Was that lady just like a non-hunter or something? Or Yes. Yeah. So it was definitely a non-hunter. We were in Canada. And, and it's just funny how it all works out. We And it's dark. It gets dark there early when we're hunting. And it was only probably 6 o'clock. And, of course, you never want to, like, impose on anybody and – so, you know, I went around the front and knocked on the door. and She had already snuck out the back. And my friend was in the vehicle, and she's yelling. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I walk around, and poor George is getting screamed at by this lady. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, we were just coming to ask permission. I didn't mean to startle you, you know, and I hope that everything's okay. And she's like, get off my property. I'm calling the cops. And I'm like. We're leaving. I'm so sorry. We did not mean to do this. It was so bad. Like, I almost didn't want to ask permission ever again. And um, we decided to go to another place like five minutes away and ask permission there. It was his this lady's neighbor. And they were the nicest people ever. And it's just crazy how that works. And I actually still talk to those people. So when we go back up into Canada this year, it'll be one of the things that we know that we have land there because we've kept that communication up, which is great. Yeah, that's just a great thing in general is, I mean, if they give you permission, especially if it's something you keep going back to, if you can keep, you know, in contact with those farmers or next time you come up, bring them a bottle of whiskey or whatever, yeah. they greatly appreciate it. But, they do. And that's what, what you have to do. You buy them gifts, whether it be like cigarettes or booze or food or something. That's what they want. If you're up in Canada, want. bring them chew or cigarettes if they uh, chew or smoke because it's yeah. a lot more expensive up there. Just if the... Uh, border guard asks you what it's for just say it's for myself yes yeah it's all for me <laughs> yeah they'll uh yeah they'll definitely ask you on it they will i when we went there was quite a few stuff that we got asked about so yeah um do you ever i guess 
as a woman in it, obviously this is more of a like a guy's thing. Like in general, you're hunting with a lot of dudes. Do you ever, I guess, dealing or having that, do you ever like have guys that are more hesitant to have you in or you feel like they treat you different at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, For the most part, if I go with like friends hunts and stuff like that, it's way more chill because it's people I know and it's been a discussion. Uh, But there was a period of time where I did more guided hunts. um, And that's what I needed at that time because I'd never done a guided hunt, but I was searching for something in particular. And on those, I was thrown in with some men sometimes. And I definitely don't think that they were anticipating it. And it's one of those things that I feel like I kind of have to break the ice because more often than not, they're not going to. And I think that, I, this is a personal opinion. I could be wrong. And I think it definitely depends male to male. But most guys, they're trying to go hunting to get away from their home life, you know, or go relax. Um, so whether it be a wife or a girlfriend or the kids or whatever, I think that they sometimes get this animosity built up when they see a woman out there in a place that they want to have some fun and feel like they can be a man, whether that be belch and fart and cuss and drink beer and and cut up i think that they feel like they can't always do that with a woman around so i've kind of learned to break the ice i make weird jokes or i kind of poke at them or i'm like hey i'm jamie it's great to meet you you know what do you do you know and i just kind of make them talk to me and realize that i'm not scary i'm not intimidating they can be whoever they want to be i don't care who who you are so yes i've definitely run into that a lot and i think more often than not once i break that ice everybody's good and you see everybody just kind of relax. Yeah. So I've only been on a couple hunts where women have been involved. Uh, a couple of them have been where a guy's just bringing his girlfriend along. She's not bringing a gun or anything. She's just out there to be out there because, you know, she had a free weekend or whatever and thought they were staying together. He said, no, I'm going hunting with the guys. And she said, well, I'm coming with them type of thing. Yeah. But, so like in that situation, it's a little bit different, but I've been in ones where women are hunting too. And, and that, I just treat them like they're one of the guys, which I mean is what yeah. you should do. Is that is that what you expect and want? Yeah. Okay. I yeah, figured for the so. Most part, yeah, for the most part, I do. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definitely ups and ups and downs to that. I mean, y'all are all still men, but it's one of those things that there's definitely boundaries of being like courteous to an extent. But yeah, just treat me like a like a person. I mean, it's we are all people, and we all are there to relax and have fun. Yeah, so I, I've only had that backfire one time we were hunting, and I had never met this lady before or anything like that, but I was, you know, she was the only one there. She was with a boyfriend, but she was also a hunter, and something came up, like she tripped or something and fell, and I made a joke like I would with anybody else, but she did not appreciate it, so that's the only time I've had someone, you know, I, I treat her just like she's one of the guys, and she yelled at me and said, you don't talk to me like that. And it, was, it wasn't even something bad. It was just like, I, I don't even remember what. She tripped and fell, and it was something like uh, when you're getting up or I remember. Something like, or how was the trip or something like that. Just something stupid. Just oh, a yeah. dumb little dad <laughs> joke. And she did not appreciate I'm a lady. You don't talk to me like that. I was, okay. I'm sorry. And then, yeah, she was like. I think she was more just like looking for something to be mad about. Like she's expecting to be treated bad by the guys. I was like, I'm just treating you like I would anyone else. And I I assume that's what everybody wants. I mean, we're all here doing the same thing. So. Yeah, I think you're right. For the most part, I think everybody kind of just wants to be treated like everybody else, but you're going to run into people, whether it be guys or girls that have a different expectation of how they want to be treated in a certain environment. Um, I mean, I've I've definitely hunted with, asshole guys too that may have acted the same way it's just that that's the only time that i've been with a woman and then i treated her like a dude and it backfired she didn't want to be treated like a dude she wanted to be treated like something special because it wasn't only that it was i mean it was other people too that everyone else was doing the same thing just treating her like one of the guys and you could tell that she wanted to be treated as something special because she was the only lady out there hunting exactly and i'm definitely not one that ha- that i have anybody do anything for me i'll work just as hard as any of the guys out there so have you ever felt intimidated like being in a blind with just a bunch of guys and it's just you like does anybody like ever come off as like i don't know i don't know what i'm saying but you know like do you ever feel just in- intimidated by just being with a bunch of guys just out in the middle of nowhere 
I wouldn't say that I'm intimidated by a bunch of guys, like just by men in general. Um, but I think as long as people make you feel welcome, it's not a big deal. I definitely think there's better shooters out there or people that I've met that I start to hunt with. And I'm like, Oh, this is interesting, you know, like cool or whatever, you know, but, um, intimidated, not, not so much. I think the only reason I would ever feel intimidated was if they made me feel inferior or something like that, like that I wasn't good enough or something to, to do anything. But I've never had any complaints. I've met a lot of men along the way, um, that have seen me work. And if anything, I've, you know, I get compliments for how much I'm helping out because they don't anticipate that. So once they kind of see the work I'm putting in, they don't treat me that way. So I wouldn't say that I've ever felt intimidated like that, but when it's new and you don't know anybody, it can be a little weird there, but I've learned with age to kind of just say, I'm going to make the best of the situation and I'm going to go in and introduce myself, say hi, like have a good time. Like I can be whoever I want to be. These people don't know me and I'm probably never going to see him again and, and go from there. And I've met a, a lot of really great people that way. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, another thing that I've wondered, I've never really asked about when it comes to like hunting clothing, like mm -hmm. uh, waiters, bibs, jackets, anything, a lot of it is geared towards dudes because that's a big majority. Do you ever like have issues with that or does it ever piss you off? Like you own a Cabela's and you can't find anything that fits right, especially you as a shorter gal or yes. 100%. I've had this discussion with some of the people at Sitka that I've done some stuff with, and um, it's one of those things that they do have a women's line. I wear uh, pretty much all Sitka. I mean, it's all my stuff is Sitka. Um, and so it you is got all... money money, huh? <laughs> I work hard for my money. Um, I want good gear, you know, and it's, it keeps me warm, and it's a nice layering system, um, and, I, and I enjoy it. You know, it's lasted me a long time. I'm not constantly rebuying it. Um, but it is frustrating sometimes when I know that 98% of my stuff is all men's. Um, I don't even wear a lot of their women's line a, because they, most places don't have a lot of it in stock. B, they don't have all the same color schemes or same styles in both. And so that's something that I've really had to learn. So I'm just like, I've come to terms with this is a man's world. Should it be? No, but it is. Um, and it's a lot more expensive for these companies to try and start accommodating women because in their minds, we're not spending enough money on this gear. They can't prove that there's enough women out there buying this product to make it worth producing it, that makes which sense. is a fair assumption. Yeah. And I've had that discussion and it was hard to kind of wrap my head around, but I, I get it and I understand it. Yeah. I know it's a growing segment in the hunting community, but... At the same time, it's still, like, it's a growing segment. It's not like it's 50-50 men-women. So it's hard for them to justify, you know, making that. What do you think about a lot of the women's clothing I've seen? You know, like, dudes' clothing. Clothing, like, I got a sick of jacket over there. Any of my camo is just straight-up camo. But if you get a girl's one, it's always got, like, teal on it or pink on it and stuff. Does that does that annoy you? Because I know it annoys yeah. my wife. She's like, I don't, I don't yeah. need this. I'm just, I'm wearing camo. Why do I have to have pink or teal on it? Yes. That's definitely been a frustration for me. I actually feel like I hate the color pink. I don't want anything with pink on it. I, I did not buy the La, the uh, LaCroix boots because they were pink. I bought men's boots because the women had pink, and I refused to indulge in that. And it's so stupid and silly because the women's boots would probably fit me a lot better, but I'm that anti-pink that I don't want it. I'm more okay with turquoise, but I don't understand why they need to, to be all color exactly. i mean like just camo yeah exactly i've always wondered that too like when i see it in the store it's like why what's the point of it it's just like something extra flashy to prove that you're a girl or something like i i don't get that but yeah we, we all know we're women it's, yeah it's kind of obvious we don't need to make it any more flashy than it already is uh so yes it does uh bother me i don't really understand it and again i wear all men's gear so it doesn't it's fine <laughs> yeah so do you do you ever have an issue with that to where it doesn't quite fit you right? Since you said you Absolutely. were. Okay. So is it usually too baggy or what's your issues? Uh, yes and no. It depends on the article of clothing. Um, so like my, like your thermals and stuff like that, there's like sick of pants. 
obviously every pair of pants I have have the male crotch. Okay, so that's one thing that it's. it's you don't need all that room. No, I don't. I don't need all that extra space. I, I'm. I'm good. Um. So that's always a little bit baggy there, but most men don't have booties. And it's so it's always tighter in the back and looser in the front. I should probably just turn them around backwards. But <laughs> um, so that's kind of like one of those those things there. But then it comes to like tops. So the vests, I love their vests. And it's like always a constant battle of there's no smalls and men's, but I have to go to a medium. So it makes it baggier. But then it's like we have as women have boobs obviously so it's like one of those things of it may fit my waist but it may not fit something else or I have to size up to make it all fit so then it's baggy around my stomach and so it's just not made for it but you're not going to find a company that can accommodate it all because every woman is shaped differently so even if you went to the woman's side I've tried on DSG and all these other women's uh, lines and it's the same thing they they fit a certain shape and if you're not that shape it doesn't work, and it's so much harder to accommodate all the variety of shapes than it is to just put out something. I'd rather just wear it a little bit looser and, and be okay. I'm hunting. Like, I'm not there to show off my body. Like, I'm there to, to get dirty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to say I know your struggle, but a little bit since I've got such large feet. Um, if I want to get waders or something that fits me, I have to get, like, husky size and stuff. And, I mean, I'm a bigger guy. But I'm not husky. It's not like I'm large going out wide. I'm tall and I just got broad shoulders. So, like, if I want to get my 15 size waders, I have to deal with husky size waders. So, I've got, I mean, I could fit a child or another person inside my waders with me. So, I feel a little bit of your struggle. Not all of it, but a little bit of it. Waders is definitely an issue, too. Because, I mean, I wear size seven, seven and a half women's, which means I can't wear any of the men's waders. So the smallest they'll make is like an, an eight um, that I could wear, um, which is still big on me. So I have to wear a couple of pairs of socks, um, but it's hard to find those because more often than not, men have bought them first and it's, you know, they're the first size to go. Um, and so waders is definitely an issue too. So I definitely understand. Yeah. Well, with all that money you work hard for, you're gonna have to buy some special made shin gear waders or something like that. <laughs> well, they'd have to be Sitka since I'm a Sitka oh, girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forget. Yeah. Are you sponsored by them or something? No, I'm not. I'm not like I'm not sponsored or have anything like that, but I have friends there. So I will do events with them, uh, but I would not call it a, a sponsorship. And maybe it's because I don't want to seem like a pro boastful. staff or something like you just. See, I don't even have the pro staff discount. Like I don't have a code or anything like that. But if I if I do events they they will give me either gear or pay me for the events that I do with them. And again, I don't ever want to seem boastful or that I'm showing off, but I'm happy to, you know, broadcast my stuff with them and help them out. They've been really great for me and I love their products and I have no problem doing that for them. So Well next time they give you gear, tell them to uh give it in size large tall. I'll take large it from you. It seems weird. I know I'm 5'4", but I get everything in a tall. And that always throws people off because I hate to sit down and feel like my pants come up at all. So it doesn't matter how short I am. They I'll always get them in a tall, and I'd rather them drag a little bit than to have them raise up. I know yeah. it's weird. Well, that's my issue, too, is with I have to get everything tall because I am tall. I mean, up to a point. I'm not like I'm 6'8 or something, but I've got long arms. So if I get just like a large, if I lift my arms up, the sleeves always go to like my elbows and stuff. Or if I sit down, it like like you're saying, it rides up and your butt crack and back is hanging out. And Yeah. Since you're in Texas, but you go other places, do you mostly like just get the uh, like the thinner stuff? Or do you like have a whole closet full from puffy jackets all the way down to nothing? I have a pretty good closet full because I go everywhere and I need... You know, I've got some rain gear stuff, I've, you know, because it's, you've got wind protectant, you've got water resistant, you've got all the different things. Um, and I've learned that you really have to layer with these things, especially, you know, as the people that are the guides or men and they're doing all the setup, which I do too. I've learned, I don't ever layer until I get there because I start sweating and it's the one thing you don't want to do with wearing cotton. Um, and I'd rather just wear something that keeps the water off of me 
or blocks the wind and layer underneath and be able to take things out underneath and do that. Uh, because I, when you're putting out decoys or silhouettes or socks or whatever it is that you're running, you're running around and you start to sweat really freaking quick. So I just don't want to mess around with that, that I'd rather just have um, like a long sleeve and then like maybe another thermal on top of that. And then like a waterproof jacket that's big and if it gets real bad i'll throw a sweatshirt on underneath but more often than not i'm not wearing a lot of that because it ends up coming off because you're just moving and hustling and especially if you're retrieving birds you're just on the go there's no point uh, but i do i have what i have all kinds of gear that i've learned to take and if you ever hunt with me which some people out there have you know it's i'm an overpacker i take everything so if you ever don't have something more than likely i have it and it's like odd random stuff but i've learned that everywhere i go what I take, you know, I take baby wipes and Ziploc bags and knives and scissors and all these things that I have everywhere because there's always somebody that's going to need it. That's not prepared. And I'm definitely the person's over prepared and I drive everywhere I go when I hunt. And, um, it makes me feel better to have all that so that I'm ready to go. Yeah. That's where I'm at too. Not clothing wise. I don't have to pack clothing wise, but, uh, everything else, like I think I've got three knives or four knives rolling around in my pickup at all times, just in case. Cause yep. I, it's because I've hunted with people that we get something and then, oh, I don't have a knife. So they don't yep. help with whatever's going on. It's like, oh, that's okay. I got four in my pickup. Go pick one out. They're like, ah, okay. Like if we get like a whole <laughs> pile of birds or something like that. But yeah. 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 And another reason for the clothing thing is me being an odd size for feet and then tall and everything. A lot of my stuff doesn't fit. So I don't really overdo that. But on the layering thing, I mean, I grew up. This wasn't until I old, was older when I figured out the layering thing and, you know, the sweating thing. So when I used to go with my dad when I was younger, you know, my mom, especially because we get cold up here, uh, my mom would just – every clothing I had, she would throw on and then top it all off with Carhartt bibs and Carhartt coat. So then we'd get a half mile into the walk or whatever. I'm sweating like a pig, and then we'd – after like a mile and a half or whatever, we'd sit down, and then I'd start cooling down. Next thing you know, I'm just shivering even though I'm covered in all this clothing because I was so covered in sweat. So then once I got older and started learning about how layering, how you can do it, you know, pack it with you, put it on when you get there and sit down, take it off when you take off again, yeah. it's really, really improved the game a lot more. makes it a lot more enjoyable so you're not walking all this way, being miserable, and then as soon as you sit down for a break, then you're freezing cold again. Yeah. And that's how I used to be is I used to layer profusely because like, I don't like the cold. I don't want to be cold. And it makes it really hard. But you have to remember, like, especially for, for us, but it's like the more you layer, the harder it is to move. I can't pull a, a rifle or a shotgun or something up to my shoulder and feel like I can shoot and move if I've got four layers on that. Or if I'm in a layout, I can't sit up if I've got four layers on top and bottom. So you really just have to learn what works for your body um, and stuff like that, you know, on, on how warm you run, how cold you run. I do heated socks everywhere I go. Uh, goal is to buy heated vests this year so that I can stay warm underneath and keep my core warm. Um, but they've been lifesavers to do stuff like that because all it takes is something like that. If that keeps you warm, then you don't need as much and you can still move and have a lot more freedom. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a key for all you uh, young people listening. Learn how to layer. Look it up. I yes. mean, it's common knowledge now, but like when I said when I was growing up, it was a lot different. You just put everything on and then you deal with it. So You do. And you, well, that's a common question that we deal with when we sell the sickest stuff at some of these events and stuff like that. Like, oh, I want this duck oven jacket. And I'm like, well, no, you want the Delta waiting jacket because the duck oven, it's that big puffy one. And like once it's on, it's on. And if you take it off, once it's off, it's off. So you have no in between from being hot or cold. Whereas if you get like the Delta waiting jacket, it's waterproof. But you can layer underneath that and take the layers off, but still have that resistance there to help you. You know, so it's kind of like helping people understand that about the gear and the layering that is really beneficial because that other jacket is just so big and bulky that if you're buying one, that's not the one I would recommend. Yeah. So that's something too. When you start out, at least this is the way I figured it out, you start from your base layer out because a lot of people can't just go buy a full Sika system. So, Correct. I mean, what you have, start with a base layer and then go up from there. And like, I don't have a full Sika system. I've got, you know, just a handful of things because I personally yeah. can't justify that. My wife wouldn't like the uh, debit card payments coming out on that. But uh, 
I've, I've got different brands mis- mixed and match. But yeah, start your base layer and work your way out. Because like you said, once it's on, it's on. So if you got that big heavy jacket, but then underneath all you got is your uh, Wilson sweatshirt and then a t-shirt underneath, that's kind of shitty. If you start yeah. from the bottom and work your way out and build a system, that's, in my opinion, the best way to do it. I guess on your side of things, is, is that what you think too? I do. I do. And I've learned not to wear cotton underneath. That's the worst, which I don't think people will remember. Like I love cotton t-shirts, you know, and stuff like that um, underneath. And now I've learned don't do that, you know, and because you sweat and it gets wet and it holds that in. And that's kind of why you're shivering when you're younger. Um, so it's just one of those things that you, you learn how to do that. But I would agree. You start from bottom out. Like I said, I will literally wear my thermals in my truck and I don't even put it that hot. You know, it may be 17 degrees outside. My truck's not at 80 degrees inside. It's I run at a normal temperature because the more I can maintain my normal temperature, when I step out into the cold, it's not as bad when you do that. If you're running from 80 degrees inside or 100 degrees inside to 17, that's a lot harder to adapt. Um, and then I start layering when I'm there so I can adjust to the cold and I just put on a little bit at a time. Yeah. And two, when you're hunting, you know, if you start out in the morning – like if you're deer hunting and you get to afternoon and there's a 20 degree swing and then it goes back colder, you know, you might start in something and you might in the middle of the day be in basically nothing. And by the end of the day, you might be back into it. But at the end of the day, you're not covered in, I mean, too much sweat and shivering and stuff. Exactly. Because nobody wants yes. to be miserable and cold. Or sick. Or sick. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on multiple snow goose hunts where everybody's ended up sick by the end of it from the cold yeah. so that's no fun yeah. for anyone either <laughs> no it's not okay well i think that's about all the questions i got for you uh is there anyone that or anything that you would like to tell the people or anything like that any advice or no i don't have any just i mean i guess advice just live your life go experience the things you want to you know i think for a long time there was a period of time where i I would constantly work and do things. Um, and I'd always say, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do this, but I would never go do it. Go do those things. Like don't worry about building your savings account up to where you never go have fun. Like learn to spend some money when you have it, go hang with friends, go take that trip, go take that hunting trip, you know, whatever it is you want to do. That's probably the biggest advice I have is remember to live your life because that's kind of what keeps you going as well. There's no point in working your whole life away because you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. Um, and I'd rather have zero regrets on my deathbed than to have all these things that I wanted to do that I said I was going to do that I never did. Perfect advice. I like that. I like that Thanks. a lot. Thanks. So uh, if uh, people want to watch your adventures or anything, you want to give out your uh, social medias at all? Or? You can follow me on Instagram. That's really my main platform. I'm, I'm on Facebook and some other things. But Instagram's where I post it all. So I am the untamed ginger on instagram in case you're wondering she has red hair <laughs> yes i have red hair okay. <laughs> on st Patrick's day perfect perfect do you wear green today <laughs> i did wear green i had scrubs on i went and did some some work today so i'm wearing green scrubs perfect well thanks a ton for coming on it's nice of you to fill yeah. in here so i thank guess thank you for having yeah you have a good weekend we'll talk to you later sounds great thank you all right bye